Good morning, FBC. My name is Kennedy Kruger, and I am so grateful you have chosen to worship with us today. Whether you are online or here in person, we are thankful you joined us. If this is your first time worshiping with us, please let us know by filling out our guest information card. These can be found on the front page of our website or by going to the welcome desk in the lobby outside the sanctuary. If you are here in person, there is also a free gift at the welcome desk that includes more information about our church. Before we go any further in the service, I'm going to share some announcements about what is going on in the life of the church. My first announcement is about the July 5th worship and picnic in the park. Next Sunday at 10 a.m., we will be having one service at Dogwood Park in the amphitheater. Following the service, there will be a church-wide picnic at Dogwood Park. There will be no small groups or evening services next week. This is a great opportunity for fellowship and worship together. Make sure and bring a friend. It's going to be a great time. My second announcement is about our summer camp. This year, our church has decided to put on our own summer camp for 5th through 12th grade. This is going to be an awesome week of building deep friendships, having a ton of fun, and growing closer to God. The camp will be held at Camp Linden in West Tennessee from July 13th through the 17th. The cost is $275, and it is not too late to sign up. Make sure and contact Zach Langley if you would like to sign your student up. Once again, I'm so thankful you have chosen to worship with us today. Our vision at FBC is that every person would desire God, disciple others, and devote themselves to serve. This service is just a part in that vision. We pray that this service would bless you and encourage you as you walk with the Lord. Thanks. I don't know what the rest of it said, but as I read that, I thought, man, what a good good uh, saying for us to enter into a service to ask ourselves the question, are you changing? Um, are you changing today? Is, has, is God moving in your life? Let's, let's pray that he will move our lives today and change us to be more like him. Uh, because he, he set it all in motion uh, from, from the really beginning of time. But when Christ died on the cross, the blood that he shed changed our lives. It gave us that capacity to change from darkness to light, from sin to being saved. So this morning, let's start by singing. Let's stand up and sing. We're singing nothing but the blood. Sing about that changing power of the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Amen. There's nothing but his blood that we can place our hope and faith into. Uh, and it gives an assurance that we have a relationship with him. Let's continue on. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Jesus, may that be our story, that you would be ours. Uh, and God, that you would, as I mentioned before, just be changing our lives, Lord. And through that, we praise you. We praise you all the day long. God, because there's one day uh, that our worship here will be fulfilled and realized in your presence. Uh, when we can see you face to face, Lord, we can tell you that you are worthy. When we can understand all things, 
Lord, and see you face to face. So God, as we continue on in worship, may uh, we just catch a glimpse of the worship that happens around the throne. Lord, and know that though we're not physically there, Lord, our worship is joining in with the praise that's continually given to you. In Jesus' name.
joy to be able to gather with your people and to worship you. Lord, knowing that we're not the only voices on this earth at this moment in time worshiping you, but they're they're all around the earth, but Lord, even in heaven, God, we're joining in a chorus of praise and worship to you. It is such a joy, such a privilege, such an honor to do that. Because Lord, if there's if there's one thing, we may have our differences in across the world and even this congregation, but the one thing I think we can all agree on is that we love you. And God, it is that love that unites us uh, to worship you because we know that you are a God that takes care of us. You're a God that loves us back. Lord, I, I, I heard recently the, uh, a, a phrase that when, when all of life gets crazy and all we've got to hang on to is, is God, it's actually you're hanging on to us. You're holding us. Uh, it's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. So, Lord, as we continue on in worship this morning, as we uh, introduce this, this last song, God, may we understand that your love for us is beyond compare, that your love for us sees us through times of chaos and times of trials by holding us and holding us safe in your arms. So, God, as we continue, may you be blessed with this song. May it be from our hearts as we reflect on you and your love in Jesus' name. You may be seated. This last song, we're going to sing it for you. It's called He Will Hold Me Fast. I know we haven't done it much here. Some of you may know it. The words will be on the screen. If you want to sing along with us, that's great. It starts off with a violin solo, and I just want you to reflect on who God is and allow these the, the notes uh, from the violin the piano just to, just to minister to you during this short little uh, musical interlude as we begin. Thank you. 
Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we have nothing to fear because you hold us fast. So, Lord, as we continue on in this service today, Lord, as we've had an awesome opportunity to worship you as a, as a body, uh, Lord, and to realize the truth that, that you do hold us and carry us through chaotic times, um, Lord, in, even in the good times, too. We know that you're a God that we can trust. So we ask now, Lord, as that, as that first phrase I talked about, are you changing? Lord, we pray that you would change our lives today. God, that you would speak to our hearts uh, and that we would come face to face with who you are and realize who we are and want to go deeper with you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 16. Uh, 1 Kings 16 and 17 will be our text this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of guys in the Bible we, uh, we read about this week. And, you know, if, if you're reading through the Bible chronologically with us, uh, you, you like me, we read about some rascals this week, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, these guys, they just got worse and worse and worse. And, and as goes the king, so went the people many times. So I want to bring a comparison between Ahab and Jehoshaphat, and I want to bring in to light Elijah and how Elijah lived his life before the Lord. And, and I want to talk to you this morning about living right with the Lord, living right with the Lord, and, uh, and think through that. The, the song we sang prior to the last one that... Uh, was sung was uh, God is holy, right? God is worthy, right? He is worthy of us giving honor, praise, and glory to Him. Truly, He He's worthy of that praise. And and when we've when we've lived and we've known God, if you know God and you know the power of God, the presence of God, if you've been around and and lived with God, then then you know He's holy. You know He's worthy of our life. Uh, being lived for him and we need to make choices in our life we all do make choices but we need to make some conscious choices in our life to separate ourselves from sin 
and experience the peace that rushes in when we live right with our Savior. That, that is, that's what life is called to. We should be living for is the peace that comes when we live with God. And, and we see in the text when the countries were not at peace, uh, it was because they weren't living right with God. Uh, if they were living right with God, then the, the, they experienced more peace. You and I can experience peace with God as we, as we separate ourselves from sin and live united with our Savior. So I, I want to talk through this this morning and, and look at these guys. I, I want to I bring out a couple points about Elijah and how he looked at his relationship with God. Elijah recognized the presence of God. He also recognized the provision of God, and he witnessed the power of God. That'll be what we'll frame our time together around this morning. But I want to start by looking at a different king, King Ahab. And I want, to, I want us to read that together in 1 Kings chapter 16. So let me invite you to stand with me. And let's begin in verse 29 of 1 Kings chapter 16. God's word says, Now Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa king of Judah. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So as we see, I I want to focus in just for a moment while you're thinking about that text. Ahab did more wickedness than anybody else. That was before him. And instead of focusing on God, he focused on the world. Father, as we stand before you this morning, oh, there's a world around us, and we can focus our attention on the world around us, and we can be led by the world, or we can be led by your word. God, let us, as a witness to us, study your word this morning. And make right choices in our life so that we can experience the holiness of who you are. The worthiness that you are for us to worship with our lives. And Lord, that we would refute sin in our life. Move away from the things that are destructive to us. And cling to you as Lord of our life. Lord, teach us this morning. Uh, Lord, I'm grateful that as we have gathered for this time in your word. To be taught by your word. You've appointed this day for us to study and and to spend time in your presence and to worship you. What an awesome privilege that is, Father. I ask, God, that you would anoint me with the truth of your word and the power that comes from you to speak to your people, your words, in a way that will bring real change in our lives so that we can know you deeper and walk more fully for you in this day and age. Thank you, Jesus. 
for the privilege of worship in times like this. And we pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen. So we look at Ahab and what a, what a dude. I mean, Ahab, not only did he serve Baal, he worshiped Baal. He built a house for Baal in a, in a town that had not long been there. Samaria had, had not been long there. And instead of building a house for God and a place of worship and drawing people to God, Ahab draws people away from God. He built a house for the worship of Baal. And, and it, that is a place where they could come together. He erected an altar for Baal, and he even brought forth the Asherah that they could worship falsely gods that could have no effect on their life. Uh, there, there's a choice we make. We make either a choice to follow after the world and the direction of the world, or we make a choice to go hard after God and his word. And, and we have to make that choice. And, and Now, Ahab made the choice to go after the ways of the world. In fact, he was influenced by the fathers before him who did not walk in the ways of the, the Lord and the word of the, the word of the Lord and walked in their own ways, and he, was just, he just carried it further down the hill. He really did. So we, we see that his worship was in the wrong place, and it directly went in the face of God saying, Have no other gods before me. Ahab did evil. And, and what was so striking to me about his evil was it was trivial to him even. It, it says that as he became the, the king over Israel, Ahab, that he, he lived his life, and it, it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, verse 31. So it was trivial to him. It was common. It was as if there was no problem here for me to live in the way I want to live, the way of the world, and not live in the way of the Lord. So we see that, Sin became trivial to him. Here's a caution. In my life and in your life, if we're not careful, if we focus on the world around us, living in sin becomes trivial. It, it just is so easy because the world around us is living in sin. I mean, we, we have before us great representation of sin and evil. And, and if we don't focus on the Word of God, if we focus on the world around us, it will be trivial for us. It will be common, ordinary for us to walk in the ways of the world and in the sin of the world. So as we look in our life and think about how we can live right before the Lord, we have to see how people lived wrong. And the Scripture gives us a, a clear text here for saying Asa, I mean, not Asa, um, Ahab, Ahab lived apart from the will of God, and he walked in the way of the world. But along comes a prophet, and there's a prophet raised up, Elijah. And, and we've listened to the prophets, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, we've got uh, Joshua, we've got the prophets that have spoken thus far, and then we've got Elijah and Elisha. And these guys are going to speak. And a prophet is a, is a person that is used by God to speak the truth to the people. And we, we see that Elijah, come, Elijah comes to the, the forefront here in chapter 17. I, I just want to read and let's, let's see what we understand from the word of God. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely... There shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. 
So I want to focus in, before we get further in that text, there's some things that are said here. Elijah the Tishbite, he, he says to Ahab, God sends him to speak to Ahab. He is the, the prophet to Ahab, to speak to Ahab. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives. In other words, you have misplaced your worship in worshiping Baal. You're not focused on where the worship should be. The Lord, the God of Israel is Yahweh. And, and I'm pointing you back to him as a man, the mouthpiece of God. You are looking in the wrong place. And as the Lord lives. So here's, here's the point I want to make. God is present in that day. God is very present in that day. And, and we see that he is present. He is alive. We're not dealing with a God that is dead. We're not dealing with a God that cannot see, cannot hear, cannot influence, cannot work. We're dealing with a God, and, and here we see Elijah stands up and says, there's a God here that is alive. And the same God that was alive in the day of Elijah, the same God that was alive in the kings of the Israel and Judah in those days is the same God that's alive today. We have a God that is alive. He is very present in this world. He is not dead. And Elijah knew God, so he was able to stand before the people and present the word of God, the very truth of God, and to direct people to a God that would make a difference in their lives. I want to tell you, I have the privilege this morning to stand with you and speak of a God who is alive, a God that can make a difference in our lives. A God that can take our situation and turn it for good if we will turn to him and surrender our life to him. But now if we look to the world as did Ahab and so many before him and so many after him, if we look to the world instead of to the word of God, we're going to find ourselves going down a wrong path, a path of destruction. And we see the destruction as we read through these kings. I mean, as goes the king, so goes the people. And there were some really low times in Israel and Judah under some kings that were really scoundrels, okay? So they weren't seeking God. And Elijah says, hey, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. So in other words, I'm standing before God. He says, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain. So we see that God is presented as alive to Ahab and and. The reason that Ahab moved away from God was because he had no fear for God. What did, what did we read in Proverbs recently? What did it say? That wisdom fears the beginning of wisdom. When we, when we fear God, we recognize that he is creator of the universe. He is capable of, of directing our lives. He is, he's Lord. He's over all the universe. When we recognize that, then we grow in an understanding, a reverent, awe of who he is and when we have an awe and a respect for who he is then then we're in the right place Ahab was not in that right place he didn't fear God I want to contrast before we go too far into Elijah and his process here I want to contrast Ahab with another king Jehoshaphat so if you have in your Bibles just flip over a few a few books to second chronicles chapter 20 because I want to see, here's, here's Ahab, he's leading the people of Israel. It is, it is important that he leads them well, and he leads with something leading him. So he chose to go to a false god, Baal, 
and let God be, uh, let the Baal be his source instead of God be his source when he didn't know where else to turn. And I want to show you in contrast to that, here's a man named Jehoshaphat. I want to look in, in chapter 20, verse 1 of Second Chronicles. It says, Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with the Munites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. So we've got a situation. Jehoshaphat has three groups of people that have gathered forces and risen up to come against him. It says in verse 2 there, Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea out of Aram. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamra, that is, in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. That, that should tell us a great deal about Jehoshaphat. Where did he turn? Where did he turn the people to seek the Lord? Jehoshaphat was one of those guys. Now, he, he did right in the sight of the Lord. Ahab, on the other hand, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So where do you want to stand? you want to stand in evil? No, certainly not. You don't want to stand in evil. You want to stand in the right place. And the way we do that is to turn to God. Jehoshaphat had these, this large group coming against him. They didn't number them. They just said, a multitude are coming out against you. So what did he do? He sought the Lord. Goes on in verse 5, says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Now, I'm going to frame this for you so as I read it, you'll be thinking about it. What he's going to do is he's going to speak to God about what God has spoken to him about, what he's spoken to his forefathers about. He's going to say, God, you've said you would do all this, and I trust you for this, so let me just claim it before the people today. Listen to what he says. Verse 6, he says, And he said, O Lord... The God of our fathers, are you not in the heavens? Are you, and, and are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O oh our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? They have lived in it. And have built a sanctuary there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when, when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming out to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. So we see here that Jehoshaphat 
recognizes his situation. He realizes that this group's coming against him. He realizes that there is a, an opportunity for him as a leader to stand before God, before this place, which would be the place where God's name would be, and proclaim the truths of God and that he needed God to interact in his life. And he says, we're powerless against this people. But God, you're not powerless. You're powerful. So I'm going to look to you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to trust in you, God. And, and we see that God is present in Jehoshaphat's life. God, God was not a distant reality. He was not something that was fabricated in his mind. He anticipated that God would show up and God would show out. He was alive and present. And that's the God that Jehoshaphat knew. That's the same God that Elijah knew when Elijah said, oh, you're alive. He, he is alive. I stand before him. But Ahab was the kind of dude that was like, I'm just going to worship what the world worships. I'm going to raise up an altar for Baal. I'm just going to focus on something instead of focusing on God. God is present and alive. The second thing we see, if we go back to 1 Kings chapter 17, we see in verse 2 that God makes pronouncement. He pronounces what's to come. He says here in verse 2, The word of the Lord came to him, speaking of Elijah, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself to the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook and that, let me back up because I knew I missed something there. I actually jumped ahead of myself. In verse 1, he says it will neither do nor rain on this unless I say something. So that was the pronouncement that he had made. As we see that pronouncement being made, what we recognize is that Ahab had called out to Baal. Baal was the rain god. These were farmers. The farmers depended on rain. Do you know you depend on rain? And I'm not just talking about for your pretty grass in your yard, your shrubs. I'm talking about you don't eat if there's not rain. There's got to be rain. If, without rain, we can't have produce. Without produce, we can't produce animals. You know, it all depends on us having rain. So they had Baal, and they worshipped Baal, who was the rain god. They depended on Baal to bring the rain. And when it was not raining, they would make sacrifice to Baal, which is what Ahab had built a place for sacrifice. And when it did rain, they'd go and give praise to Baal. And what God says, let me pronounce something here. It will neither do nor rain unless Elijah says, let it rain. So I'm going to let you know, folks, who is God here? Baal is not God. Baal is dead. There's nothing he can do to help you with this rain. Only I and the prophet whom I speak through, Elijah, can bring forth the rain. So that was the pronouncement that was made. And there was no rain. There was none. So we have, we have this man of God who speaks the word of God and brings forth the rain when it comes. Not only do we have the presence of God as, as revealed by Elijah, understood by Jehoshaphat, not understood by Ahab at this time, and not only do we have the presence of God and the pronouncing of the drought that's going to come, we have the provision of God. Look with me in verse 2. It says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. 
So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and lived by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and, the, and he would drink from the brook. And it happened while, or after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Now, there's two instances here, and I want to talk about the first one before I go any further. God told Elijah that he would provide for him. God told Elijah to go to this brook and hang out at this brook. Well, there was a reason God told him to go hang out at that brook. God's not only a provider, he's a protector. See, everybody in the whole nation would want his head because he was the one that said there'd be no rain, no dew. And as soon as things got dry, uh, they turned to Baal and nothing happened. They'd be wanting to turn to Elijah and want him. So God took Elijah out of their midst and put him down at the brook of Cherith, which is a place of provision for him. Because he'll have the water source to drink from. He'll have the food which the ravens will provide. Now I want to pause there. How many of you have ever been provided for by the birds? They brought food to you? No. No, I mean, this is a unique way. This is a way that God shows not, not man getting his own, but God providing for him. God brings the food. God brings the provision that was necessary for Elijah. Elijah needed food. He needed water. The brook would provide the water, and the ravens would provide the food. So unique. So only God could do that. Let me ask you, who do you turn to for your source? Do you trust God to provide for you in ways you might not expect? I mean, it took a lot of, of Elijah to go out into the wilderness and wait on the birds. He's a, he's a knowing man. He knows God. And he trusts in God for provision. He, he understands that God is present. God is the one that pronounced the drought. Now he's going to have to trust him for the provision. So he goes and he stands at the brook and he drinks from the brook and he waits on the ravens, ravens to bring him food. That brook dries up. We see there in verse 7 that it dried up because there was no rain in the land. Notice God's not through providing for him. When the resource that he thought was his source came to an end, God provided another way. Read with me in verse 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. I love it when the word of the Lord came to him. He's a prophet. The word of the Lord. He depends upon, more so than he depends upon that brook, more so than he depends on anything else in this world, word, world he depends on the word of the Lord coming to him. i, I got to pause here and say this. <laughs> Run a rabbit here for a minute with me. The Lord got him in a place where he could speak to him. Have you ever been so busy in your life, you just kind of run and run and run and run, and you're just like, man, I hadn't heard from God lately. Well, when have you slowed down and listened? When, when have you gotten below the surface level of communication to hear the heart of God speak into your heart? He was in a place where he was distanced from everything that was going on around him. He wasn't confused by all of society. He wasn't looking to the world. He was looking to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. You know the word of the Lord will come to you? The word of the Lord will come to you. When we pause from the rat race of life and we position ourselves, recognizing that God is present and alive, recognizing that God is a source of provision, he'll speak to you. But we've got to be willing to pause for a moment and position ourselves where God can speak to us. 
That doesn't mean that God can't speak to you in the rat race of life. But oh, how special it is when we set aside special time for him. I'm reminded of times in my life where I've set aside special time for my wife. Or my wife set aside special time for me. You know, we, we run on this level a lot, wide open. And you do too. But when we withdraw and just sit there and look eye to eye at each other and we spend some time away from the rat race, we really get below the surface and talk about things that really matter. We went off on a, uh, on a retreat last week together, just a little time away. It was our 25th anniversary. And, and, any, and my wife stayed with me 25 years. Man, let me tell you something. She stayed with you 25 years, you take her somewhere nice, okay? And we were sitting there talking. I said, I, I wonder what the next 25 years are going to look like. She said, we had no clue what the first 25 years would look like. Everything we thought it would look like, it looked different. If you had told me you'd have been the pastor of said Baptist church 25 years ago, I'd have laughed. If you'd have said I was going to be the pastor's wife, I'd have laughed. If you'd have, and we went through several things that were just so different than we ever had imagined in our life. I said, well, no need in us trying to chart the next 25. We missed the first 25. I said, but I think I'm on to something here. I know one thing that's going to be for sure for the next 25. And she said, what? I said, we'll have less energy for the next 25 than we did for the first. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so some of you know. <laughs> so we, we're sitting there going through life. But we got below the surface, and we spent time communicating. We need to get below the surface with God and spend time communicating. He's very present and desires to be very active in your life. He's alive. And he's got the words that will help you if we'll just turn to him and, and trust him with our life. Ahab trusted Baal, the wrong thing to trust. Jehoshaphat said, man, we're in a pickle here. We got more people coming at us than we know what to do with, but I know who can do something with them. God. And Jehoshaphat looked at God. Elijah turned to God and said, I'm going to go to a brook. Yes, sir. I'm going to eat there. Yes, sir, because you're going to provide. He trusted in God. And, and I want you to see the second source of provision. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to, to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. She was going to get it. He called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go. Do as I've said to you, but make me a little bread cake after it first, or from it first, and bring it out to me, and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus, the, the, thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. 
There's so many things there to unpack. Let me just touch a few of them. Again, God provided in a very unique way. No one would have trusted that a widow would provide for him. Who are we supposed to take care of? The widows and the orphans, right? Why? Because the widows didn't have a source or a resource for much in this life. And we're dealing with a time when it is really dry. In fact, the drought is so severe by this time that it is hitting the house of this widow. In fact, she has just a little flower and just a little oil. That's all she, just enough for her and her son to make a bread cake and then die. So this is a grave situation. I don't believe for a moment that this widow, who was probably a great planner of her household, that she had not looked at the situation, realized that it was drying up and the resource in her house was drying up. She had exhausted any opportunity within the community to gather resource, and the only thing left for her to gather was a few sticks to bake a bread cake and die. She was at the end of her rope. And along comes the man of God who God had commanded. See, God went before him before Elijah and commanded this woman she had a foreknowledge that he was going to come to town and she was going to be called out so she was willing to do what he said she trusted in the God that had spoken her heart this was not a normal way that we would look at things we wouldn't have wrote the story this way we would have never wrote the story that ravens were going to provide for Elijah or that a widow was going to provide for Elijah. Can I just newsflash for me and you? We don't always know how God's going to work. It, it may not make perfect sense to me, but it made perfect sense to God. See, it shows that they needed God, and God showed up. God is the God of provision. We have a tendency to trust in things that we can see, hear, Smell, taste, and feel. We, we work off the senses. God's telling Elijah, God's telling this widow, God's telling you and I, faith is trusting God completely for the things in life that he's going to provide. We've got to turn to him and trust him. Let me ask you, do you trust God to provide? Or do you trust in yourself to provide? See, if she was trusting in herself, she'd have looked at Elijah and said, absolutely not. This is my bread cake and my son's. I mean, come on, mamas, who comes above your boys? Or your kids? You're going to take care of your kids. And she trusted God. And Elijah was trusting God because God's a provider. The ultimate provision that Elijah trusted from God was his word. And we see that. We see that he, he sought God for the word. He, he spent time with God. He knew when he went and told this widow what he expected, he knew God was in it. He knew that. He knew God would provide. And, and he knew. He knew. He didn't know how, but he knew that God would provide. He, he, I don't know that Elijah knew going into that conversation that the oil would not dry up or that the flour would not dry up when he started the conversation, but it was revealed to him because he'd been with God. God spoke to him, this, this will never dry up. Just say it. Announce it. Man, the oil never dried up and the flour never dried up until it rained again and she had gained provision from another source. 
So we see that God is powerful, God is a provider, and God is present in this situation. We need time alone with God in the Word of God uh, to become utterly dependent upon God and recognize that the God that laid forth foundational promises and principles for my life and your life is the same God that was directing Elijah. The same God that was at work in this book is the same God that's at work in this day. The question is, are you looking to the Word and to God, or are you looking to the world? Ahab was looking to the world. Elijah, Jehoshaphat, those guys were looking to God, and we see that. So I, I want to dive in a little bit deeper because we've talked about the presence of God. We've talked about the provision of God after he pronounced this drought. I want to look at the power of God just a little step further. Because see, what's happening in, in my life, what's happening in your life, and what's happening in Elijah's life is God didn't unload everything at one time. I like a light switch, you know, everything just come on, I can see everything, that's real cool. But God's revealing to Elijah as this man, this prophet is walking in faith, trusting God, he's revealing some stuff to him. And I, I know he realizes he's present, I know he realizes he's a provider now, but he really understands the power of God. Look at the last portion of chapter 17. It says, Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What, I, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. Now, this woman had some past, okay? Something happened in her past, not revealed to us right here. Something happened in her past that all of a sudden she felt that because her son was dying, God was judging her in the presence of God. This man represented God. So in the presence of the man of God, she felt like, oh my gosh, my sins have been revealed and I'm being judged now by God. Can I tell you, we have a God that already knows our past he knows everything you've done. He knows everything you'll do. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you, and he loves you so much. Regardless of you, God's not got a black X on your back trying to wipe you out. God's not looking at the circumstance in your life, the situation that might not be going the way you think it should go. Is not God Xing you out. God loves you. God is a God of grace and a God of mercy. Now, can, can, we be, can we be brought to awareness that our sin cost us something? It does. Our sin does cost us. There's, there's actually a cost to our disobedience to God. But God was not, the, the son wasn't dying because of her past. Okay? So he says here, he said to her, give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed, and called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying, and causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times, and called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life 
of that of the child returned to him, and he re, he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. Then Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are the man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. God revealed himself at a greater level to the widow and to Elijah. See, Elijah had no power to save that kid. He couldn't do it. His actions didn't bring that kid back to life as far as his physical actions. What brought that kid back to life was the power of a living God. Baal couldn't do that. A dead God can't do that. But a living God did that. And he showed and revealed his power to the widow and to Elijah. God is powerful over all of creation. And he, he's powerful in here. He shows his power. Elijah knew God was present, that God was alive. He knew that God was a provider and a protector for himself. He knew that God pronounced this drought, and he knew that God was a God of power in all situations. Elijah called on God and made all the difference in his life and in those he was around. Let me ask you, where, where are you in your life right now? Do you recognize the power of God? Do you understand that God is a God of provision? Do you know that God is present? I, I just wonder, do you know that these, these things sound so simple? They're simple truths. And, and for us to academically sit here and hear this and say, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can agree that God is present. I can agree that God is a provider. And I can agree that God is powerful. It's one thing to receive that academically, mentally, to come to an ascent and say, yes, I, I can, I can, yes I, I'll agree with you, Pastor. I saw it in the Word, too. But where does that have application in your life? Jehoshaphat applied these principles to his life, the truths that he understood. He turned, when he had a mess in front of him, he turned to God because he knew God was present. He knew God was, was a provider, and he knew God was powerful. Ahab was caught up in the world. So easy. It is so easy for us to get caught up in our little world and look to the wrong thing. So for me, and I believe for you, it's a wonderful reminder for us to recognize the presence of God, the provision of God, and the power of God. Amen? Now, I, I don't know what you need to do with this message, but the Word of God never returns void. This message brings us to a place where we say, you know what, I've kind of lived my life in a different direction. I've, though I have a, I've, I've had this religious experience or this religious mental model in my life, I've never had a relationship with the God that you're talking about. And that starts with surrendering your life to Jesus and saying, I want you to be the Lord of my God. I want you to be my provider. I want you to be my power. I know you're present, and I surrender my life to you. If that needs to happen in your life today, let's don't take another step in life. You may not have a tomorrow. We may not have a tomorrow. But we have a present reality right now with a God in heaven who says, come to me.
all who call upon me will be saved. So you've got that today. Do you want his presence in your life? Do you want the provision that comes from him? Do you want to experience his power as you walk through this life and this journey? I mean, what do you, what do you want there? If that's you today, let's do that today, okay? And we'll celebrate that as will all of heaven. We're in a great place, the family of God. There's no greater place to announce that you're surrendering your life to Jesus than right here, right now. Be that at home and call somebody and tell them, or be that in this room and come forward and let's talk about it. But also, it's a great time for you. You may be sitting here today and say, you know what, I... I've got some things in my life that are hindering me from really experiencing the power of God. I've got sin in my life, and the power of God is pushing me to get rid of that sin. I want, I want to praise God. I want to feel the presence of God. I want to set some things aside in my life, and I want to walk away from this sin and, and run to a Savior. And it may be that you're saved, but you've allowed some things to creep into your life. I want you to know this, these steps right here are, are a place. It's a physical place where you can come. And, and a lot of times, Jesus did something physically for us. Let's do something for him. Walk down front and lay that on the altar. Lay that on these steps and walk off. Lay that sin. Don't pick it back up. Walk off from that. And tomorrow, arise and say, you're worthy, God. You're worthy of my worship and my praise. You're also worthy of me living my life in a direction that you would have me live in. So help me come fast, Lord, in my life. We sing that song. We need you to come fast and help us through life. You may be here today and like, I've got a friend. I've got a family member. I've got a coworker who's not living right, who, who's not there. And I just, I want to come and I want to physically come and pray to God today in, in a move to say this person is valuable in my life. And I want to I lay their name on this altar, this, these steps right here. I just want to lay it before the Lord and say, God, move in their life. Wherever you are in your life, I believe that moving for God is important. We can stand here and we can just have the mental ascent and we can nod our heads or we can actually move for God and, and make a move in our life and, and make it real. So that's what you're, this is your time. I'm not begging you to come forward so that it'll look good up here. I'm just saying it's an opportunity for you. You can do whatever you need to do to get closer and, and draw into relationship with God. It's your time of response. So if you will stand with me, I'm going to pray for us. The team's going to come. We're going to sing a song. Let's don't get hung up in singing a song. Let's get hung up in responding to a saving God who is present, who is a provider, and who is powerful. Father, we love you and thank you for your love for us. Move in our midst this morning. Touch our hearts. Have us do and respond in the way that we should based on how you've touched us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You move as God leads. The choir is going to, I mean the choir, the, the team's going to sing. We haven't had a choir in a while. <laughs> we will soon, hopefully. But the team's going to sing this morning a song, You Move as God Leads You. You stood before creation. Eternity in your hand. Spoke the earth into motion, my soul now stands. You stood before my failures, you carried the cross for my shame. 
held high, heart abandoned, knowing he's present, providing, and powerful. We walk out of here today. I pray our lives are more focused on Jesus, live more fully for him this week than we ever have before. I pray we grow less like ourselves and more like our Savior. Amen? Hey, it's a good day this morning. We had a, a young lady join the church, so you'll be seeing more about that. Um, Sarah Beth uh, came forward. She, how old is Sarah Beth? Um, 
seven, about seven years old, a little bit older than my daughter, my youngest, so seven years old, and she got saved at VBS, made her a public profession this morning. She just wanted to tell everybody about it. So it's good to see the excitement of, of Jesus in her life. I'm telling you, there's some folks in this room need to get that kind of excitement in their life where they just, that childhood faith of coming to Jesus. I still haven't gotten over getting saved. <laughs> I'm still grateful for what God did. I hope you are as well. Um, I, I will let y'all know that, that we, uh, we told the first service they needed to give to the offering this week. I know I've really taxed y'all the last two weeks getting y'all to double up for them. If you hadn't been here in the last two weeks, you know I forgot to tell the first service there's an offering box here. There's one up top, and there's a couple out in the, in the foyer out here. If you want to drop off your offering, you're welcome to do that. But I'd, I'd failed to ask them in the first service for two weeks, and I, I got y'all to double up. But they doubled up today, all right? But that doesn't mean we walk out of here or not. We get to participate in tithing and uh, giving, and that's, that's huge when we get to be a part of the work of God because when you give to the work of God, you're touching a worldwide ministry. I praise God that we're all around this world working, and uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to lead and be a part of you and join you in that process. There is another opportunity I want to join uh, you with and, and, and focus our efforts towards. We've been involved for the last two years with an orphanage overseas, and that orphanage is flourishing. And there are a few kids left. I think we've got maybe three that um, most of them have been uh, sponsored for the year. But if you want to join with some friends and family members or a small group or something and sponsor one, I think there's three left. I think the first service got four or five of them this morning. But we were able to provide clean water last year for them and uh, clothing and school. And it is such a joy to get to go see those kids flourish. They are doing extremely well and uh, largely in part because y'all have... Uh, risen to the the challenge and supported those kids in their growth and nurturing. So thank you for doing that, church. There's so many ways you give, and I'm so grateful for you. That may not be your call, but if it is your call, stop by the table right out here in the Welcome Center and see how you can be a part of that. God bless you. I pray you have an amazing week as uh, Jesus guides you. And next week, July the 5th, we will not be here. We're going to be next door at 10 o'clock. No small groups. Everything will be at the park at 10 o'clock. We'll, I'll preach from the amphitheater. We'll have live worship over there, and then we'll have a meal to follow. It'll be a great time, July the 5th, amphitheater at Dogwood Park. That's where we'll meet. You park here, walk over there. There'll be people helping you get across the street. We'll get you there. Love to worship with you there. If it should be liquid precipitation, we'll do everything here at 10 and meal to follow here. But we're praying for a good time in the park and to, to welcome people. Some people have not been able to get back in uh, worship service because of the, they're, they're not comfortable with the closing environment because of some pre-existing conditions. That opens up the opportunity for some of them to come worship and be with live worship. Many are watching us on TV but we would like to worship live together again. So pray for that opportunity next week. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Is there anything else, Mike? That was it? Good deal. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the time of worship we've had with you this morning. Continue to press our lives, God, to, to walk more faithfully with you each day. Present that which we're struggling with. It's just like Jehoshaphat saw that army coming. God, sometimes there's, there's things that are coming against us in waves. 
Father, remind us of our need for you and remind us that that should be our first place we turn is to you. Thank you for that illustration of Jehoshaphat. Thank you for the boldness of Elijah. God, don't let us be like Ahab. Don't let us listen to the voice of this world or focus on the world, but focus on you and your word. We love you and praise you. Go with us as we go our separate ways. I pray your hedge of protection around the body. Keep us healthy and well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.